In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. So now I want to ask you before I get to the, your your most eye-popping pitches of uh, of the year. Um, because you have a great on your on the Twitter account on the social medias, I love it. Like I said, I wake up every day; it makes my day. It brings a smile to my face. And you've been going through a, a lot of the highlights from the past year. But before I do that, I want to ask you this: for the people, for when we go into 2023, is there a pitcher that you say, "Hey, everybody, watch this guy"? I mean, with Class A, it was it was. I remember. Guys in the clubhouse, they were look at the TV and like, did you see what this guy just did? He, th- you know, he threw a hundred mile an hour two speed. That's nuts! That's nuts! And nobody really knew of him then. Having watched all these games and and seeing all these guys and being on on, on you know the precipice of all this stuff, is there a guy or guys that you say, hey, this is the guy we're going to be talking? This pitch is what we're going to be talking about next year. Yeah, as far as a particular pitch, that's a great question. The Class A thing's a great point because I actually literally got contacted in the middle of a game by a pitcher on the opposing team who said, I've never seen anything like this guy. He's throwing 103 mile an hour cutters. You have to get him. And I'm like, okay. And it, I can't say the pitcher's name, but it was literally during the game that he said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so pitchers were that impressed. The guys that I consider that I think will have breakout years type of guys are, are, uh, like I don't, I think Hunter Green, when he came up um, this year, people were like, once he gave up a few hits, they just tur- tuned him out and said, all right, you know, he's going to be a washout because he just throws hard and they can hit his fastball. If you saw what he did after that um, in the second half of the year, in the last few months, he was on fire. So I don't think people should be like, I think he, he is a potential breakout next year. Um, I thought, I mean, not necessarily a breakout, but a, uh, Tanner Houck having him full full season, mm-hmm. his stuff is nasty, and I'd love to see more of that. Um, Graham Ashcraft for the Reds as well has a hundred. He's a starter that throws regularly a hundred mile an hour cutter. Nobody should ever get used to a hundred mile an hour cutter. That's not a thing that people should be comfortable with. Um, but could he turn into a Corbin Burns type pitcher? He needs more command. He needs to figure out how to use these pitches at that level. But I view him as a guy that is a potential breakout as well. I mean, the Reds have a few. Nick Lodolo, too, who who throws a wicked sweeping breaking ball that probably got more swings at pitches behind a hitter that I've seen all season. So he is one of those guys that I would keep an eye on as well. He had a lot of Ks, but I think because you pitch for the Reds, you don't get a lot of credit for it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's he's kind of nasty. Do, did, um, do front office guys ever get in touch with you? Because if they don't, they should. 
Yeah, occasionally. So yeah. Um, there was a guy last week who got signed because I tweeted him out, which was awesome. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So he was a pitcher in the Frontier League throwing 100 and he was closer of the year two years. He had no offers. And I started DMing him. He tagged me in something. I'm like, dude, what is up with this? He's like, I don't have any idea. And he had nobody contact him. I tweeted him out. 23 major league teams reached out to him and some independent league teams as well and foreign teams. He ended up signing with the Cardinals. And it just shows that there's still pitchers that fall through the cracks and you need somebody. So that's basically front office guys and scouts then looking at my account going, wait a second, I got to yeah. get on it. And you get a feeding frenzy because – you know, a lot of times they can sit back and be at a game and go like, I'll sign this guy if he, you know, let me see some more of them. And you delay and you look for reasons not to sign him. But if you know everybody's zeroing in on a guy and you don't bring him to your team or don't at least try to, you know, say, hey, I have someone for you. It's on you. You're going to look bad. So it may it puts the competition in it. It makes it more on the scout side and the front office side versus the players having, you know, it gives the players a little more control. That's a, another perfect example of why, you know, your work is so important and so awesome in, in our world uh, of baseball. So last thing, Rob, is, is like I said, and, and I, I normally this uh, this might be a difficult one because, like you said, you so many pitches, so many pitchers, so, such a long season. But you did go through the exercise. You have been going through the exercise of looking at rating all these pitches. Give me like one or two that you're like, that's my favorite one right there. Yeah, it's hard. So Alex Lang had a 98 mile an hour front door two seamer that was insane. I think it was the Gallo and it looked like it was going to hit Gallo in the rib cage. Ended up middle, middle. And he's jumping out of the way at a 90, like I said, 98 mile an hour Greg Maddox two seamer, basically. And it was that was disgusting. Um, Scott Efros had a series of pitches where there were two seamers that uh, they ran 26 to 30 inches. And it was a little bit of the wind having something to do with it. But when you see a two-seamer run 30 inches, you know, home plate, you know, talking about 17 inches, this is like, you know, almost two home plates worth of movement. And one of them actually hit um, Alfaro on a swing and miss in the thigh. <laughs> so that's kind of tough to do in the middle of the thigh. Um, there were slider. You had uh, you had Yancy Almonte throw a slider that was a nutmeg slider went through. Uh, Herrera's legs. That was kind of sick. There's a lot of them. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Herget, who I called the human human glitch, threw a curveball that hit a hitter square in the middle of the thigh too. I think it's Mejia on a swing and miss. So that's I love stuff like that. And I think you know, a little a little comedy when it hits a batter on a swing, oh, yeah, but it's also course. a nasty pitch. So yeah, that's that's fun stuff. Who's your favorite changeup? Devin Williams. And okay. I don't think it's even debated. Like, I think he's got the best changeup maybe of all time. And I don't say that lightly because Pedro has the best changeup of any starter of all time. Mm -hmm. But Devin Williams has a changeup that can hit over, you know, 3000 RPMs, which is insane. It's not a low spin rate change. It's a high spin rate change. He spins it faster than a slider, basically, than most pitcher sliders. But it goes the, you know, it's like a lefty slider coming out of his hands. It's nasty. Yeah. So that's, I love it. The reason I ask, I love it. I love, I like, I love the fact that a pitcher can throw a slower pitch and the hitter can know it's coming and still they can't time it up and they can't hit it. I mean, yeah. there's something about that. Changeups are, changeups may be my favorite pitch to watch. It's hard to say on any given day, but, the idea, I mean, back in the day, watching Pedro throw where he used his changeup like it was almost like an FU pitch. Like, like I'm going to make you look stupid. 
I'm going to emasculate you with my changeup. Some people do it with fastballs. I'm doing it with my changeup, and you're going to spin around in a batter's box, and I'm going to laugh at you. <laughs> that I love. I love taking the hitter's aggression against them and using it intentionally with that fierceness that I used to pitch with, too. <laughs> You know, that that's what I love, the gamesmanship between a pitcher and a hitter. That's what the sport's about. Yeah, it's it really is. And we we've in a couple podcasts now, Rob, we've brought up, we've we talked about why baseball's so awesome. There's so many reasons, and and one of them it keeps coming back to is that you have the conversation as it's unfolding, and then you have the action, right? And I use the Bryce Harper at bat, where you have the ultimate result, which is the guy, the star player hitting the home run with a crowd reaction. But how about the pitcher's strategy leading into it and the hitter's strategy leading into it? Everything was there, right? Everything was there. It's great. And and again, as a pitching guy, I love that moment. Like I don't, I love baseball and I love the competition. To me, it's like a, a chess match or a boxing match, or it's a, it's a great competition one-on-one at that point between a pitcher and a hitter. Obviously you have teammates behind you. And all that. But in the end, pitcher has the baseball, the hitter's trying to hit it. I view the pitcher as being on offense um, because the pitcher has the ball and the hitter's the counter puncher. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, if the hitter wins, tip your cap. If the pitcher wins, you know, that's awesome. But there's no better thing in sports than that moment. Like that, I think the one reason why I'm not a I don't dislike the three true outcome thing where you have you know a, a pitcher fighting against the hitter a hit a k or a walk is it's a great matchup like i think that's what fans should focus on the pitcher's the center of attention till he delivers the ball then the hitter's the center of attention as he swings or decides to take a pitch and it's just a beautiful second worth of action happens multiple times in a game that i think fans should enjoy in the way that they want to enjoy it boy that was good that was that was Eduardo Perez gave us four good minutes on why baseball's office awesome. That's not that's not far off, Rob. I, pr- I appreciate it. I just want to <laughs> thank you again, really. Thank you for taking this time, but thank you for all the work that you're doing and uh, continue to do pitching ninja. So um, yeah, it's always awesome to talk to you. Well, thanks for all your work in the, on this book. This is going to be fantastic, and anything that shines a light on why this game is great. And maybe changes a few minds along the way is always a good thing. Yeah, it'll be good. And, and like you said, like the you are you you'll have to be part of the book signing since you're in it. So, so there you oh, go. Absolutely, I love right. signing stuff. All right, thanks, bro. <laughs> Thank thanks. you. Uh,